Hello and welcome back to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham pod from Down Under. After six weeks in limbo, we're back from the World Cup break and what a way to return with a 3-0 win over Crystal Palace on Boxing Day. Uh, a special podcast episode today as we're actually all sat in the same room for the first time in oh, many, many years yeah. to actually watch a Fulham game, uh, but the first time ever for this podcast for sure. Um, joining us today, we have Sam. How are we going, Sammy? Sam's in the flesh, and he's tired from Christmas, but he is here. I'm wearing a very loud shirt. It's all good stuff. <laughs> and Elton, how are we? I'm very happy to be back after eight weeks of uh, isolation. Yeah, it's been very weird not having Fulham games, but we have watched a fair bit of football, which we will cover maybe towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but the main thing we're here to talk about today is the Crystal Palace game. So, kicking us off, let's have a look at the lineup from last night. Um, it's a bit weird to talk about changes from the previous game, since it's been six or seven weeks since we played. Um, but great to see Mitro back in the starting lineup. I think he missed the last two games we played. Um, Sammy, what were your initial thoughts on the starting lineup? Oh, I was stressed because um, I saw in the press conference before that um, Silva was a bit in doubt about Mitrovic and I was hoping that following Serbia's early exit that would have been enough time so to see actually it was like a full lineup and probably our best lineup that we've put out so far at full fitness yeah I was I was stoked I was really stoked yeah look I I um, all of that plus um, I, I just don't even know with Mitro anymore whether he's actually we're, we're now we're at a point where we're happy with him at 85% fitness and that's as good as it's going to get for the rest of the season but if he's still scoring goals that's good enough I don't know um, he looked okay though so yeah I, I don't think I don't think we could expect a better a better lineup with that we don't have any more yeah yeah I think it was interesting before the game Silva did say that Mitro and Robinson were both possible doubts and possibly Tete as well were possible doubts and all three ended up starting which is good to see uh, and like I think we said it was probably our strongest lineup of the season so far realistically if you looked at you know who we could possibly start from who we had fit that was probably our strongest lineup I'd say um, we had William Decadova Reed playing on the wings with Pereira behind uh, Mitro Polino and Reed sitting in the middle Diop and Reem sitting in central defence, Tete on the right, Robinson on the left, Leno in goal. You know, I think when we all saw that lineup come out, we were pretty happy with with what we were putting out. Um, Palace, you know, have had not a bad season so far. They're sitting in 11th, I think, going into this game. We were sitting 10th. Is that right? 10th and 11th? I think it yeah, was. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was always going to be a tough game. You know, we know that Palace have Wilfred Zaha up front. They've got Eze, who... You know, dominated us a couple of times when he was playing for QPR. So, Anderson, yeah, and Anderson as well, who we obviously know very well from his time at Fulham. He was captaining the side. Um, they definitely they they have the ability to hurt you on the attack, but they were missing actually. I can't know. Don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's uh, Gay, G U E H I. He was out suspended, so he's their starting centre back. So that was actually a big loss for Crystal Palace and. I think it showed Tompkins started for them. It was his first start of the season, I believe. And um, yeah, they, they did look a little bit shaky at the back. So we'll, we'll, we'll get straight into the game. Um, five minutes in, first sort of highlight of the match. Uh, the high boot on Mitro, um, which led to a free kick, which Pereira took, which forced a good save from Gita. Um, Dad, your thoughts on, on the free kick itself? Should it have been a free kick? Because he didn't actually make contact with Mitro. Uh, look, we discussed that watching the game last night, and I think um, whether or not he made contact, whether or not Mitro was hurt, uh, neither of those two things were a factor. But I think, you know, um, serious fouls like that, which is super dangerous, uh, have to be stamped out. So um, it wasn't... He had enough time to pull out of that. He really did. And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it wasn't sort of like um, one of those coming together of two players where one can't pull out and it actually causes a really unfortunate situation. I think it's, can I call it quite deliberate? 
because he, he had a chance to pull out of that. Yeah, I think you're right. He, you know, it was obvious that Mitro was coming in with his head and he's put his foot up and he had a long, a long time to think about what he was doing there. And, um, yeah. So, it, so it yes, it's a fan. It's yeah. a fan. Sammy, the following free kick, which forced a good save from Guita, your thoughts? Um, yeah, good free kick. I mean, I always love when Pereira essentially does... Wait, no, I'm going to start Anything? Again. Yeah, pretty much, though. No, I love Pereira. Solid free kick. Um, nice curl on it. Like, very, very well placed. I don't think that was ever really going to go in. But, I mean, confidence, I'm always going to add that as a collective thing. What am I trying to say here? Do I you, like do you Pereira. Do want to save you? No. Mm-hmm. I, I, want, I want to keep going with it because I like Pereira and I just want to sing his praises. Come on, dig um, yourself out. Huh? Come on, dig yourself out. Yeah. Um... I like Pereira. I think what I think what you're trying to say, Sammy, uh, it was it's he might not have scored from there, and he might have been a very small chance to score from there. But he tested the keeper, which is good to see, and at least we're getting shots on target early in the game. Which, as Fulham from free kicks, I don't think we we've seen a decent free kick take, except for Cabano, who does take good free kicks. But someone from distance to actually test the keeper and win us a corner and create chances. Um, and it, it's because having someone like Pereira in the team makes a massive difference. Yeah, that's totally what I meant. I'm not tired. It's cool. <laughs> can, can we talk about how in the first 15 minutes, Fulham pressing hard, Crystal Palace were awful. Oh, they, I think, they were absolutely awful. No, I think we can make a um, case that they were awful all game. <laughs> no, no, but, but you know, when, when it was 11 versus 11, in that first even 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes of the game, I can't remember when he got sent off, but... Um, it, it's what we were talking about in the in the break as well. It's just how a team's going to respond and come back after the World Cup. They were terrible. Mm. It's almost like they were still on holiday. Yeah. And we did start really, really well. Mm. There was really high tempo. We pressed really well. We wanted the ball. We held the ball better than they did. And I remember saying that and Jack saying, it's only three minutes. You can't say that. But we it, actually... It was only three minutes. It was three and a half minutes. It was at the three and a half minute mark. It was a very early call. But... We were looking confident, we were looking up for it, we were looking sharp, and they were looking just way, way, way under what they actually are. Well, I think something we sort of discussed while we were watching it was, are we pressing brilliantly and causing mistakes, or are they just playing terribly? I think it was a bit of both. I actually think Palace, and I I said to you as well when when you made that point, I think Palace played shockingly. Yeah. That was one of the worst performances, and the commentators were all over it as well, saying this is just one of the worst performances they've seen and for I a Premier League it. team. I loved, I loved Vieira's stony face. He just wasn't actually letting on. I think he, he has a hernia in hospital right now. <laughs> he refused to let on how angry he was, <laughs> and he must have just murdered them in the change rooms. And may, maybe call it bias as well, but like I do think. Um, there was it looked like the, I know that they're organised but Crystal Powers looked like they had no organisation at all and it just looked like a whole team kind of like sporadically playing in the they position they totally disinterested yeah like honestly uh, that could have been a team full Attitude of right problem. backs like I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference whereas I feel that we had a very succinct team and game yep. plan and well it, prepared yeah well, we know when, when Palace attack, they all flood for, and, and we saw it a few times where, you know, every attacking player just runs full pelt in a straight line at the goal. Um, but that causes issues. There's gaps then. Yeah, they, they, they struggled with any kind of structure. You saw them when they were playing out of defence, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, they, they really just couldn't find a pass all oh, game. Yeah. And yeah. the touches were terrible as well. Every time they won the ball back, we'd press, we'd press really well and we'd tackled really well as well. But I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say if we played exceptionally or they played terribly. It's somewhere in between, I think. Well, I think, I think we, we have to say that it's 50-50 because you know Palace are better than that. But I think it's a massive attitude thing. But also, not only were we pressing hard, as soon as the ball spilled from a 50-50, we'd actually get the second ball. Yeah. And that's been a massive improvement mm. in Fulham's game, and we were doing it all the time in that first 
20 minutes. Oh, I want to quickly like talk about Polina as well because during the World Cup, I've said this to you guys like at least four times already, but I want to say I want to say on the pod. Um, like during the World Cup, Polina's role for Portugal was literally come on in the last 10 minutes and just like tackle everything in sight and just cause havoc. And during this game, I felt for a solid 40 minutes, he was just relentlessly pressuring everybody and just refusing to give up on them. Now, you can totally make the case that Crystal Powers also were playing shockingly and their passing was super average. But I do want to big up Polina for essentially being the most frustrating player to play against in the Premier League, in my yeah. humble opinion. Yeah. I think every every Fulham player had a really good game as well. I think oh, yeah, Polina yeah. played really well. Um, yeah, his, his tackling was exceptional today, mm. or yesterday. Um, so look, 19 minutes in, uh, Tompkins gets what seemed like a very harsh yellow card for dragging back Mitro. We were in our own corner. Mitro takes the ball out wide, dribbles it down the line, Tompkins pulls his shirt, but, you know, there's no real danger of a counter-attack. Um, Dad, yellow card? Well, we, you know, before we started this, probably watched the highlights again, just to refresh our memory. And I remember initially thinking, that that's actually pretty harsh. But if you then watch how long he holds his shirt for, yeah. and actually really will not let him go, and even though there's no threat of a an attacking move from that point of view it's just like a it's just like a nasty little frustrated tackle yeah and I think the referee just got very annoyed with him and said you can't do that that's just not in the spirit of the game and that's what I think that yellow came from yeah. it was strange though because he, he did Tompkins did say to the ref after he was about to book him he said it's my first tackle of the game first foul of the game don't care um, <clears throat> for me that was that was a a harsh yellow card or a soft yellow card at least um, I, I didn't but see much in it I actually thought there must have been some afters there like he maybe got a little boot in after no, it was, it was spiteful like it was spiteful it was just a professional foul I didn't think there was too yeah. much to it but still professional foul it's yeah. still a foul still I, a foul I, I think professional fouls wherever they occur should be really dealt with harshly because yeah. they're shit on the game I, I think it was harsh though really I mean yes I agree that they should be dealt with harshly but they're not so, for me, that that was a soft yellow, but I'll take it. I am a stickler for grabbing shirts, though. I feel like if you're not my tailor, I do not want you to be grabbing my shirt that much during a game. As if you have a tailor, Sam. Um, so, but Sammy, I'll throw it to you. Palace's first attack, 25 minutes in. Um, Jordan Ayew gets into a bit of space and absolutely unleashes a shot, hits the crossbar. Thoughts there with some poor marking? I, yeah, I was oh, about yeah. to say a bit of space. Uh... No, like a little bit of space is a bit of an understatement. I thought um, Reem and Robinson really, I want to say dropped the ball, but they just gave him so much room. It was actually Robinson. Yeah, yeah, because like he was like... Ball watching. Yeah. Well, Robinson went to, um, I can't remember who it was in the middle. It might have been Eze in the middle, who then passed it out wide to Ayu mm. and went to try and, um, I guess, block the pass. And it sort of deflected off Robinson straight into Ayer's path, but is that that's probably ball watching? So yeah, it's mm. it's kind of poor poor defending. Well, actually, where he was initially, there was utterly nobody around him. Yeah. He was in acres of space, and the the way the ball fell, it actually meant that he had to come closer to the two players, mm. which actually made it look slightly less bad on Fulham. Mm. But it's because of Robinson's attempted block. Yeah, yeah, but that was terrible. Yeah, it was just unsighted. And they just forgot about him there. Yeah, um, at the far post, ridiculous. Look, we were actually having the conversation during the game of like which Fulham player would probably be the best manager in X mm. years times. And I love Robinson, but he would be quite low down on my list in terms of um, ball, like footballing intelligence, because he does sometimes make silly mistakes like that. I love him as an athlete. I love his work with Tim Ream. I have kind of come to expect a similar level of those kind of mistakes. So, but you know what? For the rest of the game, I feel like they massively tightened up, and I can, I want to say I can let that level of negligence slide. But it, it, look, we didn't, we didn't concede. And so. all of all of this for the man they call the Jedi. So, Merry Christmas, Anthony, if you're I think, listening. I think he calls himself Jedi. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was. A mistake. I think he 
made a decision to close down the player he thought was probably going to get a shot, blocked a pass, and it fell to the person he should have been marking. Yeah. It's just a just a decision that he made that was probably not the right one, but I wouldn't call it a mistake as such. Mm. Um, but I think we were fortunate there that Leno didn't have to make a save and that it hit the crossbar. It was was He absolutely thundered it. Mm. Um, but it, was, it was through Leno before his hands even got anywhere near it. Yeah, it, it never, I never really thought he was going to score that, though, because he just tried to hit it as hard as possible. Um, obviously, we're lucky, though, that it hits the top of the crossbar, goes over. Um, and that then that, that was sort of their first chance of the game. We definitely looked a lot more dominant, but you know what it's like supporting Fulham. At that point, we're sort of going, oh, geez, dominating this game. Uh, still nil-nil, can totally see Palace scoring and the game running away from us. But 31 minutes in, uh, Anderson gives the ball away on the edge of the box, passes it out for some reason into just space. Picked up by Tete, who passes it to Mitro. Mitro puts in the cross that he would dream of every night <laughs> and finds Bobby Deckard over Reed running into the box. Little glancing header to the back post. Sam, your initial thoughts on the goal? Oh, just great. Just great. There was a there was um, a moment a couple of minutes before where like Mitrovic was literally in that exact same position, but then didn't think to cross it in or just didn't necessarily feel confident with it. But then he had acres of space uh, and just was able to really expertly shift that off to Bobby. And oh, it's just he's just really good goal. <laughs> Like, and not not only acres of space, but if you watch the replay, he actually slows down to almost tee it up. Yeah. And the, the defenders are just loping towards him, making no desperate attempt to shut him down. Yeah. There's like a really terrible marking and defending. They're nowhere near him. Yeah, because Mitrovic is not Dan James as well. But uh, I also think it's, it's part of um, the benefit of having someone like Mitro on the team. You saw what he did against... Tottenham uh, when he scored that goal and you're always worried that when he's near the box in and around the box he's going to have a shot at goal he, he's the kind of player who does try and take on defenders so you don't want to close him down too much because he'll get past you we've seen him get past defenders easily multiple times so you do have to stand off him a little bit and then the fact that he can put in a ball of that quality and find a player running in from the edge of the box and put it on his on his head was just superb and I think you get that from having such a good striker where the defenders are too scared to go, go close to him. They were nowhere near him. Yeah. They're, they're too scared. They don't want to actually close him down because if they close him down and he drifts past them, he's in acres of space and he has a shot on goal. And you don't want that to happen. You'd rather him put in a cross because he's he's not exactly known for his crossing prowess. Yeah. So you'd actually rather him put in a cross and think, you know, our centre-back should be defending this and should be able to deal with it. Uh, they didn't though, because it was a perfect cross, and Decadova Reed is on fire. Honestly, like the stats speak for themselves with Mitrovic today. Like what, like two assists, one goal. I thought his decision making all game was nothing short of excellent. I thought he played fantastic. He, he, he actually worked really hard. Mm. Like he was collecting the ball really deep. The, the number of times he was out wide, mm. yeah. actually carrying the ball forward, and and you know, not. I mean, look at that yellow card, the first yellow card. That he earned, he's right back. Yeah. Well, and and he didn't look, he didn't look injured to me, at all. Um, He he was running pretty hard. He was doing everything. I remember before the World Cup break, there were a couple of times when you saw him just not jumping for balls because he just looked a little bit off, um, not really challenging for anything. So he, he definitely looked closer to fully fit, which is obviously great to see for us. Um. So that was the first goal, 1-0 up. You sort of feel, um, you know, things will be going well at that point. You're hoping for a second goal. Literally 90 seconds later, straight red card to Tarek Mitchell. Dad, you your initial thoughts on the challenge on Kenny Tete? Well, the camera angle was behind the two of them and quite a long way away. And a couple of players blocking the camera as yeah, well. Yeah, so and, and so, so I don't think any of us really saw the level of danger other than Kenny Tete writhing on the ground which sort of means nothing because everyone always over well, it well I'll be honest with you I actually thought Tete, Tete had got a red card yeah, yeah so did yeah. I but, but I, immediately afterwards you saw the ref signalling you know for for assistance so you knew something had happened and 
you know how when you when you watch the slow motion it always looks even worse I didn't think it looked absolutely terrible yeah um, but again as we were discussing we were watching it you, you, you just can't raise your studs come in like that and raise your studs so it's, mm. it's, it's got to be a red card it's almost like a, a policy level uh, red card for refereeing you know you do that you're gone yeah and we're never going to even let any of that into the game or back into the game so obviously he didn't he wasn't <coughs> he wasn't in any way hurt but that shouldn't be the criteria for whether it's a red card or not oh of course not because it's just dangerous isn't it yeah um, I, I felt really sorry for the guy you know I, I think he was really poor first touch off his chest mm. ball got mm. completely away from him he tried to recover it he lunged in and he just got it wrong yeah. it was not malicious mm. at all and he was in tears walking off the ground I felt really sorry for him mm. yeah um, one interesting thing that I read this morning, uh, basically saying you can tell that the referee made the right decision there because uh, not once did Mitchell ever complain. He yeah. was he was devastated, but he didn't complain. None of the players around him were complaining that it was yeah, a straight yeah. red. He knew that he'd hit him high. He obviously there was no no malice in it, which is why he was so upset about it as well. I think, but um, I have to say, actually, the ref. We'll touch on a couple of the decisions a bit later, but I think the ref actually had, in general, a pretty good game. And it's always good when a referee, you see a referee give a red card that quickly for a decision like that. Uh, it seemed to be on top of the game throughout, which was kind of nice, because I feel like we get um, I, I, shafted I was, by referees Can, can I just have a little facetious interjection here and yeah. say... How wonderful it is! The ref had a great game, three 0 I was just thinking that. Eleven yeah, yeah. versus nine. I, mean, like, I, I would love, I would love to hear Crystal Palace like podcasts of well, three of family members who equally have a bias. I, I don't stuff. think, I don't think a Crystal Palace podcast would say that that shouldn't have been a red card. Yeah. I think we'll come on to a moment yeah. where they will say it shouldn't have been a red card, but that one, that one for me is a, a red every day of the week, even though it was. Totally accidental, accidental, yeah, yeah accidental. Probably say that. Um, I, I think you can't. Just discipline. Yeah, yeah, you just you can't not give a red card for that. Otherwise, it sets a dangerous precedent. Mm. Um, the Palace going down to ten men didn't have an immediate impact. I wouldn't say we we did seem to dominate possession, but didn't really cause any issues for Palace at that point. But forty third minute, um, Olise from Palace again it happened on the left again, so it might be Robinson's fault again. Uh, got into the box and just shanked a shot miles wide and high over the goal. Um, seemed to feel like that's the way the game was going and Palace were just not on putting the ball into Rosette at that point. It was never going to go well. So uh, Half-time, Palace down to 10 men. How confident were you, Sammy? Uh, I am finding it very hard to um, keep my focus because my mother's taking photos of me while this is happening. Um, look, it's... It was... Uh, it's just one of those games, right, where I just felt that um, Palace were just trying to do anything and everything. Um, I heard a great quote the other day on like a TIFO podcast where they were referring to how sometimes players go into hero mode when essentially they're... <laughs> like, uh, it's like Steven Gerrard used to do it a lot back in the day where essentially Liverpool were kind of like not necessarily achieving what they need to achieve so then he just kind of went right i'm going to take ownership of this situation and just go mental and just try to achieve everything and everything um i feel that um palace attack kind of went into that mode but they are not steven gerrard so they were just flinging any opportunities they could get what didn't they only get like four shots the whole game four shots all game and none on target two of those at least were for those two moments, I can't think of it. I just thought they were the most, most uncohesive team. Yeah, they. I thought they struggled to string anything together at all. Yeah, yeah. but it was. It seemed to me more of an attitude problem. Well, clearly not a skill problem. Yeah, it's a ma- massive attitude. They just weren't up for it. They weren't well prepared mentally for it. Yeah, I, I don't. Know? I don't know. I, f- I don't. How know. many of them were at the World Cup or were exhausted? More, more yeah, likely, they enjoyed their holiday too much. Mm. They're just not not switched on coming yeah. back after a long break. Which is this is exactly what you pray for on a restart. Yeah. Oh, for us, yes. For for Palace, it's exactly what you hope not. Especially yeah. they they were on a really good run. I think they hadn't lost in 
eight home games or something this season. Yeah, so. like I thought they were actually. I thought this was going to be way more competitive. All praise Silver for actually maintaining the rage and mm. actually getting us to come out uh, absolutely fighting, pressing like we finished. Mm. Well, I think there's also players as well that significantly benefit from the amount of football they play. Like um, Tim Reams one, which I feel like the more games that he plays, the better he kind of seems to be. And yeah, you're right. I feel like Silva's done a really excellent job of essentially keeping everybody warm Mm. and like all the players who weren't actually at the World Cup, I feel like they, like Tete, Bobby Reed, and Reem to an, uh, not Reem, um, Reed to an extent as well, they all looked significantly fresher than I had any right to expect them to be. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really seem like there'd been a break at all. We seemed to just carry on from our good form. That's a hell of an achievement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So look, half-time, Palace down to 10 men, we're 1-0 up. Nervous, not really, but you never know what'll happen. But 56th minute, second yellow card for um, Tompkins for an elbow on Mitro who required a concussion test after because he got thumped so hard. Um, Dad, your, your initial thoughts on the red, or second yellow rather? Uh... I thought I can't be convinced that it, he, he didn't know where Mitro was and he didn't know what he was doing. I thought it was very untidy and undisciplined. He yep. definitely tried to block him coming through. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you look at the angle of his wing poking out, it was intentionally. It's too high. Yeah. yeah, he was trying to stop him. I don't think he was trying to elbow him in the throat. No, just slightly obstruct. He was definitely trying to use his elbow to block him. It's dangerous. Well, he says to the referee afterwards, and you see him arguing with the ref, putting both his arms out and saying, I was blocking him. The problem was, yes, you were blocking him, but you put your arm too high. Mm. If you put your arms up at head height to block someone, you're going to cop them with an elbow at some point. Let's remember, he's not been given a red. No. It's a yellow. It's 100% a yellow. Yeah. I think if that got referred to VAR, it wouldn't be given a straight red. No, mm. no, no, of course not. But so it was just sloppy, which they, they were. And you know there. what I loved about it? it was that the ref had kind of he, he had, didn't even have it in his head that he was actually now committing him to a red. He'd forgotten. I, I think mm. he actually hadn't forgotten because he t- turned around to Deckard over Reed and said, "Yes, I know." Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just bringing some drama to this. Yeah, give me my moment. Yeah, it's yeah. a yellow, and now I will do the red. But um, yeah, for me, that was that was the end of the game. Effectively, Palace looked terrible throughout. We were already one nil up. Two yellow cards. Sorry, two red cards. Game over. It, it yeah. was completely game over, but I do remember both the commentary team and all of us going, we need another goal. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I was because not, I was not there convinced. was always a threat that they could score again. Look, I know it's a different standard, but I'm scarred by the Man City game, so I take, yeah. Yeah, they, could, they, they, have, the, they have the quality to score again yeah. or score. Not that we, with that amount of time left on the clock, couldn't have scored another one. Of course we could have. Mm. But you still felt... This is a ridiculous training ground set up now. Yeah. But can we just please have another goal, if not three more? Yes, yes. So four minutes later, sort of half chance, um, Andreas Pereira, uh, I think the ball came into the box from Willian. Uh, Bobby Deckard over Reed knocks it down, gets to Pereira. Pereira smashes the ball against the post. Tight angle, not really sure you'd call it a big chance. I'd say it was a half chance. But three minutes after that, 63rd minute, Mitro header at the back post from... Tete, uh, which uh, Mitra headed down into the ground. Really good save from Guita. Were we thinking that we weren't going to score a goal after these half chances? Yeah, yeah. My 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 bum was very clenched, and it was not unclenching until, yeah. No, it, I think it was just absolutely inevitable. I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, that we weren't going at them harder. Yeah, I, I thought we were really that. soft, given the ascendancy that we actually had. And we were dominating the game at 11 versus 11 and already 1-0 up. And I thought we were just playing with them, but not actually decisively killing the game and finishing them off. Really controversial opinion, because I know know this is going to be a largely 
complimentary podcast, but I do think we could have been more aggressive, especially in the box. More, more clinical. Yeah. Possibly. The only thing I'd say is, first game back after a break, you've got people who haven't played a really a competitive match in six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, it's kind of nice to be able to take the foot off the pedal a little bit. And we see Man City do it a lot in their games, which is why they don't win most games 7-0 like they should. Yeah. Um, they get a bit of a lead and then they just relax coast. and coast. And I think there, there was a part of us that was doing that. We were passing the ball around, trying to find little gaps and um, kind of playing it safe, which I, I was okay with because you don't want injuries at this point of the season when you're just coming back from a break. You want to actually ease everyone back into it and it's a perfect way to ease us into it. Um, and, you know, 70th minute, so a few minutes later, we get a corner, uh, hit to the back post, Mitro heads the ball down, Tim Ream with his first Premier League goal smashes the ball into the roof of the net from six yards. Sammy, I'll throw it to you. Oh, just, I just love him. He, he I, just, I just love him so much. He, like, he ages like a fine wine. You know what? I don't even think it was like, like I think if he was like a couple of centimeters back, He's probably like putting that into like the back row, but I don't care. It was it was amazing. He looked like a little boy that had just stolen a chocolate bar. Like just, I I just love him. It's just fantastic. A bit of a, I genuinely thought it was a handball by Mitrovic. That was probably the only moment where I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be taken away from us. But the referee loved us. <laughs> so. Yeah, Dad, I'll throw it to you on that that controversy because I, I mean, you see it from multiple different angles. It looks different every single time, but you you pulled it up just before. What were your thoughts on that one? Well, firstly, the the look on Tim Ream was was very lovely. It was mm. like a little boy. Yeah. Um, and he was so excited because he just thought this is never ever going to happen in my dreams. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't care if he never got even a shot on target after this. Mm-hmm. He's got his goal. And that uh, was great. Great to see. Um, would, it would have been just Shakespearean for that to be taken off him. Mm. But... Um, I was convinced that it was going to be taken off him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, if you look at the angle... Of, I couldn't understand why on VAR they weren't trying to find a different angle. Or does VAR only have one no, angle? No, VAR is meant to show every angle, and the ref can request other angles. That was not conclusive to me. That The ref seemed to be utterly convinced from that angle. I find it difficult for him to form that Well, opinion. I think what... So the, the assistant... There's a VAR referee and a VAR assistant referee as well. And they basically have a conversation with him. And you could see he was having, mm. not a heated conversation, but they were talking at length about it. Mm. And they were obviously saying, look, the ref's going, look, I think it hits both of them. And maybe the VR referee or the assistant ref is going, yeah, look, from the other angle, it does look like it hits his arm first and then mm. comes onto Mitro's arm. So it's weird that they didn't show him other angles. I thought they would mm. have done because mm. that angle was the only angle for me where it really looked like it was a Mitro handball. Yeah. The, all the other angles to me, I saw a Crystal Palace handball, um, and obviously they discussed that and said this is the only one where it looks like it might be 50-50, um, and that was a conversation you, they were Do having. you think that the reason it stood is because the ref couldn't be certain that it wasn't 50-50? Yeah. Probably. You know, like, he wasn't saying I definitely hit... We did actually say because I think he explained it to one of the players. Um, he was saying the explanation I saw him say to a Crystal Palace player yeah. was, "Yes, it did hit his hand, but it hit the Palace player's arm first, yes. and then went on to Mitro's yeah. hand. And because of that, I'd have to give a penalty first, maybe. And so it's basically advantage from a handball. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a weird one. I don't know. I'd love, I'd love, love to have heard that, that overheard that VAR to ref conversation because. The only way that I could see him, maybe that's what they agreed on. They do usually come out and give an explanation, so I'll keep an eye out for that. Maybe that's what they agreed on, because if it was like, oh, 50-50, I can't really work out what's going on there, why wouldn't you go for another camera angle? Why were they only trying to make a decision on the one angle? I'm always in favour, though, of if something's 50-50, you just give it, because I always feel like it's better to give it than to take it away. 
I, I know that's a bit of a contentious viewpoint, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the prevailing view. Yeah, that's just that's just my view, and yeah. I feel like it's quite specific. I don't think that is the prevailing view. I think if it's uns- yeah, I'm not sure if like oh, mm. we're not sure. Let's just give it a go. Oh no, I, think, <laughs> I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I think it's well, I think it's highly um, specific to each referee's opinion, but that's mm. just the way that I kind of see it. The only problem is where do you give the benefit of the doubt? Exactly. You know what I think? You know what I think? This is one of those beautiful things where it was our night. <laughs> yeah. Every absolutely everything went our way. It, totally, I mean, like everything. I can't. I, I don't think I've ever seen a performance that we've done where just every single decision has worked in our favour. Yep. More so than like, that. Cri- critical things. Yeah. So here's something I found from IFAB. Don't know what that stands for, but sounds good. Accidental handball that leads to a teammate scoring a goal or having a goal scoring opportunity will no longer be considered an offence. So according to the rules, as long as uh, it's a goal, as long as they believe it was an accidental handball. Yeah. And I think they're saying because it came off a Crystal Palace player onto Mitro's hand, he has no opportunity to get his hand out of the way, and therefore it's an accidental handball. What about even if, what about if you headed the ball onto your own hand accidentally? You would never intentionally do that. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of tough. I I don't hundred percent understand it, and I think we should just move on from yeah, it because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think we, we don't know. So because so <laughs> so, ultimately, you got to go back to the explanation that the ref gave to the Crystal Palace player on the yeah. ground, where he goes, "It hit the other player's hand first. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. It's hard to say exactly, but I think that's the explanation that he's given, which kind of makes sense. So yeah. Um, but obviously, great Tim Ream. What a sort of two months he's had, going from, you know, not being picked for the USA squad because he's too slow, to starting every game of the World Cup and then coming back to Fulham and scoring his first Premier League goal in his sixty-third Premier League appearance, I think it was. So, or maybe sixty-eighth appearance. It's just yeah, brilliant, brilliant for him. Um, nine minutes later, game over. Tete crosses to Willian. Slight mishit, deflection off defender, but Mitro reacts brilliantly for his first of the game, first having come back from the World Cup. Uh, that gives him a goal and two assists for the game. Uh, obviously, I don't think we need to agree that it was game over at that point because it was definitely game over. Mm. Um, but, Dad, Mitro's performance for the whole game, your thoughts? Yeah, terrific. Uh, hard, really hard working. Um, you know, we, we've said this before, and I've certainly said it many times, is that I, I I give a lot of praise to both Mitro and to um, Marco Silva for reinventing Mitro and and forcing him to provide so much more to the team than the target man alone that he was. I said that terribly, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, yeah, look, he um, as Jack said before. He actually looked pretty fit and much sharper than I think we all thought he'd be. And he he didn't look fatigued at all. He's happy to work pretty hard in his normal whingy sort of style. Yeah. Um, But but earned a lot of free kicks around the ground, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, doing doing just the hard yards. I want to quickly talk about the Willian goal, if I can. Sorry, not the Willian goal. Um, The the Mitro goal, if I can. Because that was a goal that I thought was actually on first... Um, watch. I thought it was very, very scrappy and not necessarily a very good goal. Um, when I thought which essentially the one, the one that he, um, which which goal? So the one that like um, uh, Willian, like essentially, I thought Willian fluffed his shot, and then Mitrovic just kind of like oh, yeah. cleaned it up. Yeah. But actually, what happened upon um, watching like the highlights was Willian actually did a half decent shot. It ricochets off like um, the defender. And then Mitrovic does a brilliant, brilliant bit of um, intuition and then just gets it in by just doing some brilliant decision-making. Just just fantastic. Well, his, his reaction times were really quite impressive. Even in slow yeah. motion, you can see how quickly he moves to just guide it in. Yeah. I don't think it was actually heading in. No, it wasn't. It, it, you know, he's probably diverted it just fractionally, but I don't think mm. it was going in. It was um, close, but I don't think it was in. Yeah, but yeah. I, when I first saw it, I thought he was just kind of like cherry picking and almost like taking it away from William. But it's, it's actually a very like astute 
Yeah, I did wonder if that shot that William took was actually heading in, but looking at the replay again, it was going wide. Mm. But yeah, great reactions to actually... I guess it's part of being a good striker as well. He's always in the right place at the right time, and a lot of strikers would be, you know, maybe peeling off backwards towards the penalty spot for a little head back, but he's actually trusted his gut and he's in the right place at the right time for the goal oh one more thing as well because i picked up on this this is my conspiracy hat coming on because and also you saw it as well me pointing at dad you saw it as well and you you thought the same thing there was a brief shot on mitrovic after he came on and he was like having a nice little um cup of tea with polina and he literally came off yeah after he came off and polina turns to mitrovic and he goes Oh, you, um, are you how okay? Are you, yeah, how are you feeling? And, and Mitrovic kind of grimaces and he goes, I'm okay, and kind of does like that. That stresses me. That stresses me out a lot because I think he's referring to essentially how he's feeling following coming off. And How's the body feeling? Yeah, and I, that, is my, that is fully my conspiracy hat. They might be speaking about something completely arbitrary, but that's just how it looked. But I I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's your first game back for for Mitro for four, maybe five weeks. And he's played 80 minutes, or 85 minutes. And Polina goes, how are you feeling after basically a full game of football? And he goes, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just an anxious good. person. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think it's more, everyone's probably asking each other after the first game, competitive football back again, going... Feeling alright after that? Because we haven't done that in a long time. Mm. Um, and everyone, hopefully, is going, yeah, I'm okay after that. I th- it, it didn't come off because of a knock. Yeah. Um, it was definitely to give minutes to players, which was good that we were able to give Kearney, Wilson, James... Harris. Ha- oh, Luke Harris, yeah. yeah. And Vinicius minutes. It, I mean, couldn't ask for a better run out than that. Um, and look, the last 10 minutes, we definitely did take our foot off the pedal... Nothing really happened. The last real chance of the game. Kenny Tete, 95th minute, uh, shoots from distance. Well tapped over by the keeper, but really it was straight at him. So never really a chance of scoring from there. But um, that was the game. So a 3-0 win coming back from a, a long break. Can't really fault our performance. Was there anything that you guys would hope we'd done better? You know, it's just for me, it's just a very good professional win we've collected three points you you know you just need to do those sort of performances half a dozen times a season it wasn't mm. outstanding really I don't think it was an outstanding performance actually I thought yeah. we I thought we were really good in the first 15 minutes and the rest of it was um, we were in a very fortunate position and we didn't go for the jugular mm. but we just professionally took the three points yeah and came away with no injuries no dramas a really good run out and I think you'd be pretty happy with that yeah I think so Sam uh, I would have liked to have seen us be a little bit more aggressive in the box um, and just probably like a little bit more clinical but look I mean I'm being extremely nitpicky 3 nil. And Crystal Palace played terribly. Every decision went our way. Like, I can't, I, can I really whinge? Not really. Well, one thing we did say at the time, and I, I think this is a, a fair point, it, it's a shame in a way that it, it's good to share out around the minutes and give a lot of players a run as a first game back. But it would have been an incredible opportunity to give Luke Harris a half an hour. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we had the time for a half hour. I think we, we didn't go 2 what, nil what up. Point, what were we 3 nil up? At what point? We didn't go 2 nil up till the 70th minute, 3 nil at the 80th. Harris yeah. came on at the 84th or something. Yeah. So uh, I, it seemed like Silva really wanted to just make sure we get the points. Fair in. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough, because Palace did look like they could just break an attack and score something at any point. Maybe if we at 70th minute had 3, three nil. Maybe yeah, I think it would have been different. Yeah. Um, but it's still good to get a few minutes out there though. Uh, so look, we'll take a very quick break. When we come back, we will have a quick chat about the World Cup, seeing as that's why we were away for six weeks, and uh, talk about the Fulham players who played. Yeah. 
Right, so let's have a quick chat about the World Cup, guys. Um, few Fulham players over there, but not a huge number. Um, let's talk about Wales first. Uh, Harry Wilson and Dan James. Sammy, how, how do you think Wales did at the World Cup, and how do you think James and Wilson impacted? Wales did okay. I feel that... Um, James has got a very established role in um, the Welsh side, or he has over the past couple of years. Wilson had a similar role, although I was saying to Dad actually the other day, I was really hoping that um, Wales was going to be his time to essentially regain his confidence and re-establish himself as a player again. Because I do feel that, like, following his injury and his time off, um, he's... Oh, he hasn't... I feel like his recovery has not been as good or as return. linear. Yeah, it hasn't been, like, as strong as linear as I would have hoped. And particularly during the World Cup as well. I, I don't want to say I expected a lot more from him, but I was hoping he was essentially going to kind of, like, regain um, the Wilsonness that he has and at this stage I'm not really seeing it which going forward I am a little bit concerned about um but uh, I don't know I don't know dead Wales (laughs) I have nothing I didn't even watch a Wales game I I was great I was indisposed great insight Wales were (laughs) terrible in this World Cup um they would be very, very disappointed with their performances. Mm. Um, and I don't think Wilson or James really had any impact whatsoever. No, they didn't. Um, we'll talk briefly about Polini. Obviously, we know how good a player he is, but he just didn't get an opportunity at this World Cup. Um, Portugal, obviously, getting knocked out fairly early as well didn't help. Mm. Um, but Polini, I think... I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I'd be surprised if he played more than 60 minutes across the whole World Cup, which... I'm half disappointed about because I would have liked to see him have a really good World Cup and dominate. But at the same time, I also am kind of glad that he didn't play too many minutes and get injured. Yeah, I agree. Or, or, or increase his value by being too high profile yeah. for that too as well. Yeah. <laughs> Portugal had a really strange World Cup with everything from essentially the rise and fall of Cristiano Ronaldo to essentially completely rehashing what that team was. I feel that um, include or finding a place for Paina to sit uh, alongside like Rene, uh, Renato Sanchez. Renato Sanchez. Renato yeah. Sanchez. Um, yeah, I, I feel that like on the list of Portugal's priorities, finding space for Paina was ranking pretty low. But I do feel that with the time that he got, which was largely like 10, 15 minutes a game to essentially come on the end and be effective. I feel that he was actually effective and played his role well, and a lot of people didn't see him. So, yeah, that, no one wants to steal him from us just yet. True. You think? You think. At, at the moment, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the United States as well. We had Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson uh, made it through what was a fairly... It uh, wasn't too tough a group, really, but um, well, it, it looked tougher than it was at the start. England... Obviously, top the group quite comfortably. USA, Iran, and Wales. After that, um, a really good nil-nil draw with England from the US, and then uh, one-all draw with Wales and a one-nil win against Iran. But you know, the fact that Tim Ream started every game and looked good, and Robinson played really well throughout the tournament as well. Uh, I think they would both be coming out of that just you know wondering how this has happened. Tim Ream, I don't think had any hopes he'd be making the World Cup squad and all of a sudden he's starting in four games at the World Cup. Um, how much of an impact do you think, Dad, that that will have on them going forward for the rest of the season? Oh, look, as Sam said, uh, Reem has proven himself to be a form player. So, or, or he just like, he's like a wind-up. He's, he's a very, very, he's a very good, he's an athlete. Yeah. And he needs to be busy. And he needs to he needs to keep his work rate up, and I think there's also a confidence thing there that I think when he's playing well within a successful side, uh, he's he's very carried by that. I mean, who isn't? But I think he, he he's really carried by that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think Robinson. I think the the, the issue for Robinson could have been he he had some, had an injury before that, and he went into the World Cup having just come back from an injury, and he, he that he he could have actually got re-injured. Mm. Oh, look, I think Robinson played excellent for um, like for what essentially USA wanted to achieve. I think that they fully got as far as they were ever going to get and USA have really established themselves as not being kind of like a um, what would you call it like um, ugh, the words on the tip of my tongue but essentially a team that people just kind of go yeah you're just here because of X, Y and Z making up the numbers yeah 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 you, they, they are a solid they're a solid <laughs> team said, now they've established themselves as a team making up the numbers what I think you really mean is they haven't established themselves yeah but now <laughs> so like there used to be a stigma around about like being uh, an American player or being a Canadian player famously um, Alfonso Davis had um, a great stigma attached on him because he was a Canadian player and lots of the Spanish clubs didn't actually want to sign him but he's gone on to prove himself as being like one of the best players in Europe as a result um, uh, for playing for Bayern Munich um, USA now are a very respectable team and honestly my biggest anxiety now is that I think AC Milan are going to come back to Robinson and be like we want to sign you for probably a good sum of money because he's still probably approaching his peak I'm not sure if he's fully made it yet but um I, w- I wouldn't be surprised in maybe a season or two season time, depending on how well he performs for the rest of the season. They'd be seriously looking at him. Do you know, do you know I feel that we need to get out of that headspace of being really anxious about people nicking our good players. I, th- I think there's something happening here at Fulham. It's mid-season, we're mid-table. You know, we, we, we could end up rising up to... Sixth, seventh place. I've just been hurt right? so many times, man. <laughs> <laughs> but and what I'm saying is that I think the the opposite could be happening. That we're now kind of moving into that little zone. If Tony Khan's prepared to pull the checkbook out, I think they're players who would want to come to the Premier League and play for Fulham. Oh. We're also offering a good product at the moment. Like mm. why I get Robinson might want to leave for AC Milan or any sort of Champions League club because you get Champions League football out of it, but. He's starting every game guaranteed for us at the moment. Why would you want to leave? He's, he's American but basically English, totally living in London. Why, I mean, I get the experience, but he's still young. Um, I think Silver and the backroom staff would all be saying to him, you know, you've got time to do this. If you want to go to AC Milan, then, yep, maybe in a couple of years it'd be perfect for you. I don't think you need to rush it now, mm. which uh, I think would be the message that I'd be giving him. His agent might be saying something different for the money. But yeah. I'm just saying like Carvalho and Elliot as well. Uh, they well, they've done, they've done brilliantly. No, they have. But they're, they're youth players who kind of... Uh, it's, I think it's very difficult to move out of a youth situation, youth contract. Coming through an academy. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah you, and making you, bucks after that. Yeah, Robinson's come from, you know, other clubs. And so it's sli- it is slightly different. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting definitely to see what happens in the next um, next few weeks when the transfer window opens, which, yeah, is just a week away. It'd be very interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm crossing my fingers we don't lose too many players, but you never know. Um, and then, obviously, the last player at the World Cup for us, uh, Mitro. Uh, not the World Cup Serbia would have wanted. I actually thought Serbia would go quite far in this World Cup. Mm-hmm. They didn't even make it through the group stage, which I was very shocked about. Um, but Mitro proved that he can do it everywhere, scoring two goals, one against Cameroon, one against Switzerland. Um, you know, he was a standout player for Serbia, even though the fact that he went into that tournament slightly injured. Um, since 2021, he's now got 16 goals in 18 games for Serbia. So he's just consistently a, a seriously good international striker, and we all know it. Um, but I, I'm glad that the world is getting to know it now, and I'm glad that Mitro had a good tournament. Mm. Um, let's just wrap up as well by just talking about that World Cup final. Sammy, thoughts on it? Oh, best World Cup final I think I've ever seen, can remember seeing. Um, I'm not sure if I could probably say it's the best ever, but in terms of like what you want from... like. A narrative in a game 
oh, you just you just couldn't ask more. I remember being so hungover when I watched that game. Full disclosure, it was following um, uh, uh, mine and Jack's cousin's wedding. So I was on the brink of dying. And we did the full nine yards, probably finished at what, like 3 a.m.? Uh, yeah, was it? Yeah. Four, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Body was shutting down, but I was just so exhilarated by that game that just held my attention from start to finish. Um, that game could have only come from uh, Argentina and France. No, no other game where you can go 2 0 down in a World Cup final and then claw your way back. It's. Oh, I, I could speak about this at length and nausea so maybe pass it over to dad because he could probably summarize it no it's a it's a lovely fitting um sort of bookend to um uh messi's career isn't it oh yeah it's like fairy tale yeah it's fairy tale and it would have been really a devastating end if they didn't win it um not only that he had a very very good game he was dominant he did mm. a lot of very important things in the game, mm. and um, you know France just spiced it up. It would it would have been a bit of a shame if uh, if if they just won two nil actually. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but and, and and France were up for it and came back and made a massive game of it, taking it to penalties. Also, um, Kylian Mbappe was brilliant, like brilliant. I know he's established on a world scale, but scoring a hat trick in a World Cup final and not winning the World Cup. Yeah, but if, you, if you're the striker and you take the penalties and there are two penalties and, mm. and that's two of your three goals, it's not yeah. quite the same as actually from, yeah. from, you know, from free play scoring three goals. I mean, I think you can't ask for much more from a World Cup final. You get yeah, two, yeah. two of the best players in the world playing against each other. One of them scores a hat-trick. The other one scores two goals. Uh, it's two nil with ten minutes. Ten minutes to go. Yes. It was the seventy third or seventy fifth minute. Yeah, I think. fifteen two nil with fifteen minutes to go, and it ends up going to extra time um, because of one of the best strikers in the world at the moment scoring two very good goals. The penalty was superb, yeah. and then that volley was just ridiculous. Um, scoring two goals in three minutes, I think it was. Talk about that hero ball. Like, that is the best example I can think of. And then going into extra time and two more goals in extra time to send it to penalties. And then, um, yeah, Argentina winning on penalties for Messi. Neymar's... Not Neymar, sorry. Mbappe's already got one World Cup. He's got heaps of time. He'll, he'll easily win another, one, mm. I think. Um, so I think it was a fitting way to finish Messi's international career. I wouldn't have thought he'd make it to the next World Cup, even though he said he might. Um, but yeah, superb World Cup final and well worth the three AM watch and the four days after it took for me to recover. Did did you, did you see that? It was it's almost like a meme? And I don't think it was after the World Cup. I think it was some other cup that Messi was involved in. Um, copper. It could have been the copper where he's on stage and he lifts the trophy and and he speaks in English and he says, "Everyone was wondering about." what I'd do if I didn't win it. And he said, and now you'll never know. You know that's Kanye West, right? I know, I didn't. <laughs> uh, controversial podcast subject. <laughs> Weird way to end. Anyway, guys, um, that's a solid hour of Fulham and World Cup content. Uh, so I think it's time for us to wrap it up. Sammy, thanks very much. Uh, very happy to be in Perth for the acquaintance. And Dad, yeah. thank you as yeah, well. Yeah, no, a, a lovely historic uh, three in the round uh, podcast, which is Pro- potentially never to be repeated. It's all about the history here, guys. Very true. Right, well, with that, let's close it out. Come on, you whites. <laughs>